Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from the reading from Genesis chapter 9, verses 12 and 13, where God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. So far our text. Christians have been accused for centuries of hijacking and appropriating pagan ceremonies and symbols for their own use. And the two that come around every year, because you know they are the two most important, that Christmas supposedly hijacks the Feast of Saturnalia, the celebration of the winter solstice, and that Easter supposedly hijacks Estra, who was the Anglo-Saxon goddess of the harvest and of spring. And of course, we know that Christmas and Easter aren't just baptized versions of those, but they are actually the celebrations of the birth and death of our Savior. But see, the world likes to point out things like that, but totally neglect the times when they hijack God's gifts to us for their own benefit and to promote what God condemns. The catacombs in Rome used to be marked with the ictus symbol, a symbol, the symbol of a fish, that would also have the word ictus written in it. That was the acronym for Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior, to mark places where Christians met to worship. And yes, that's been, you can get that to put on the back of your car. And it's very wonderful. I don't have one because, you know, I can't catch fish, so why do I want one on the back of my car? But you can also, most times right next to it in the truck stop, can find the Darwin fish. Same fish symbol, but with feet, and Darwin's name in the middle of it to promote evolution. You can take the cross, the most holy symbol of our faith, and plain. They just make it into regular jewelry. And you have the stories of people who go in saying, I want, I want a cross necklace. And the guy behind the jewelry counter says, well, you want one with or without the guy? It's like, it's a choice. But the crucifix we see as a much better symbol of our faith. Because it is there that our salvation is won by the dude on the cross. But the dude has a name and a story. And that story is all about the covenant that he has made with all mankind. And especially this morning, we look at the rainbow. The rainbow was the promise, the sign of God's covenant that he would not destroy the world by flood again. But the LGBTQ advocates have hijacked the rainbow to show the need for inclusion and acceptance of every, any and every sexual perversion that there is. And, of course, they pervert the rainbow as well in the process. You've seen the pride flags around. How many colors are on the flag? If you've not looked hard enough, there's six. How many of them are there in the rainbow? Seven. 
Yeah, we miss the indigo sometimes. But they even show in their own statement of their pride, just they fall just short of what God wants for them. Being just short of God's promises. And what really are the promises of the rainbow? God says it himself. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And we think about the flood and how it got, the world got to be so bad that God had decided to, we're just going to restart things. Just literally wash it off with a clean slate, start over again. And we think the world is bad now. And if we're not quite to that point yet. But, God never says he will never again destroy the earth. He just won't ever do it again by a flood. And in fact, he changes the flood from destruction to blessing. Because the water that once destroyed now saves. We see this in the rite of baptism as we look at Luther's flood prayer. According to your strict judgment, you condemn the unbelieving world through the flood. Yet according to your great mercy, you preserve believing Noah and his family, eight souls and all. We pray that you, through this saving flood, all sin be drowned and die. And grant that he be kept safe and secure in the holy ark of the Christian church and be declared worthy of eternal life. The entire rite of baptism takes the flood that God used to destroy the world and destroy our sin, destroy our guilt, make us clean once again. We'll sing about this great saving flood in the closing hymn this morning, which also just coincidentally, not by plan or purpose, I promise you, also happens to be the conference theme for next year's Higher Things. Oh, love, how deep. How deep is God's love? How deep is the flood that covers your sins? How deep is it for the world to have been covered in Noah's day? How deep does it need to be for you and for me to cover our mountains of sin. The hymn goes on, For us baptized, for us He bore His holy fast and hungered sore. For us His daily works He wrought by words and signs and actions, thus still seeking not Himself, but us. For us He was baptized, not for Himself. For us He fasted in the wilderness and hungered. For us, He did the daily things that He did throughout His ministry and the daily things He does now. Not seeking Himself, but us. As we heard in the, in the fuller Gospel reading this morning, Jesus is up on the mountain, having finished His prayers. He looks out on the lake and sees the disciples struggling making no headway against the wind that is against them. And He goes out for them. 
yes, he wants to go out to the other side because, well, that's where they were going anyway. But he turns because they're afraid in the boat. Not seeking his own will, but to take care of his people. And we see the same thing in the funeral service with the remembrance of baptism where we remember Romans chapter 6, in holy baptism, so-and-so was clothed with the robe of Christ's righteousness that covered all their sin. And we sang it at the beginning of our service. The saving flood gives us pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. This is one of the focuses of the conference this week. Forgiveness being the main one. But not only just that your sins are forgiven, but that God continues to still be with you. That He doesn't say, okay, fine, yep. Baptism, yep, check. Got that one. Oh, you, you were there to, for confession absolution? Okay, that, I was there too. Okay, that's great. You, you received the Lord's body and blood? Okay, that's great. Yeah, the rest of the week is up to you. No. When Jesus was talking to his disciples before he ascended into heaven, he said he finishes his words by saying, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. His own dear presence to cheer and to guide us. And oh love how deep continues on again. For us he rose from death again. For us he went on high terrain. For us, He sent His Spirit here to guide, to strengthen, and to cheer. God doesn't leave us alone in this world to fight our own battles because He has already fought all the battles and won. But He gives us signs and covenants to remind us that His steadfast love endures forever. There's a reason why we only did the first nine verses of the psalm this morning. There are reasons why we didn't do it half verse by half verse. Because you guys would get sick of the psalm. I mean, if you just had 26 times for His steadfast love endures forever, it gets monotonous. But that's why the world hijacks God's gifts, is because they seem monotonous. Water. Bread and wine. Words from a sinner's lips. All these things, great gifts that God gives to us to show that His steadfast love does endure forever. To show us that we are His people, His children. As Paul writes to the Ephesians, that from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. We're all named. By God. Even those outside of the church are named by God and are His children because He created them. Hasn't redeemed them, but He has still created them and is still their Father, seeking for them to return like the prodigal son. And Paul points this out very very succinctly to remind us that everyone on earth is a child of Noah. Every single person, if we could trace it all the way back 
would find the first common ancestor that we have, every last one of us, is Noah. But then again, also, everyone in heaven and in the church is a child of God. Named by Him. Given His name in our baptism. Given His Spirit to urge us on as the hour is hastening on when we will be forever with the Lord. That is what we look forward to in the church. That is what we strive for. But until then, Paul reminds us that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. So we can sing, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. The only reason we can talk about His great faithfulness or His steadfast love or even His covenants is because there is no shadow of turning with Him. As the writer to the Hebrews says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And God the Father is the same way. Still seeking His children to give them strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. We have a loving Heavenly Father who, yes, did send a worldwide flood to wipe out the earth and start over again. But He has changed that flood not for destruction, but for salvation. So that you and I might live with Him forever. And be able to do as we will in a moment. Praise our Father. Not just now in the service. Not just through our lives. But forever in His presence. Where we will see Him face to face. And truly know that His steadfast love endures forever. Amen.